Welcome to the How Scary Is It podcast, a podcast in which we sit down on our couch, we dim the lights, we make of the popcorn, sometimes, and we watch a scary movie. And then at the end of the day, we come on the podcast and we talk about how scary is it? We sit down, dissect the movie, I talk, Brie Too talks, much. and then we ultimately come to a conclusion generally eh, how scary is it my name's anthony and i'm brie and welcome we're here we're here once again how you doing brie i'm doing good i'm tired like every day of my whole life we woke up we had a late night and then we woke up early today to feed the doggy no i wish i didn't wake up today at all <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we woke up early to feed the doggy he he's he normally eats at five in the morning on days that we go to work. But then on the weekends, he gets to sleep in a little bit and he eats at 630. We wake up at 630, but he gets all the fixins. I have to make this dog eggs every morning. Every morning. Um, I don't. Did we mention it on the last episode of the podcast? Yeah, we probably did that. Kaido was like giving us problems eating. I think he was fighting a little bit of a stomach bug because all of a sudden the dog just like starts eating. And uh, now we have all the fixins in there. So what do you want to lay out the process? Okay. You, you scramble an egg and you divide the scrambled egg into two because half of it is for breakfast, half of it is for lunch. Then you get his dry kibble and you get it wet. You let it soak a little bit. Then you Dump out some of the water. Leave some because he likes to be sloppy. And then you take a <laughs> he does like to be sloppy. And then you take a scoop of wet food and put it into the dry food. And then you microwave it. And he'll give it a stir. Then you add the pieces of scrambled egg. And then you add a couple of pieces of fresh strawberry. Mind you, all of this was organic. So oh. it's like hella expensive. And then he'll eat it. Maybe. Kaido's giant 25-pound bag of kibble costs, like costs about $100, and we usually do get one every two to three months. Um, and then his wet food, which I'm actually downgrading his wet food um, from the gourmet uh, Fromm's four-star wet food to the Fromm's uh, stew, which costs like $2 less for the can because he eats it anyway and it's basically the same recipe um so then there's that the eggs he gets one egg a day organic egg um and then he gets like we we get organic strawberries and cut them up into tiny tiny pieces and he gets like a little bit mixed into his food for a little bit of flavor this dog he eats better than i do i know we're what, we're having pizza for like the third day. Yeah, right? right. We're getting another DiGiorno's. DiGiorno's. Hey, if you're listening, we love your pizza, and it's my uh, favorite thing. If you want to sponsor us, like I would gladly del- make a DiGiorno's thank gosh, pizza. Gosh, it's not delivery because that stuff around here that's flavorless. Thank God, flavorless, not flavorous. Can I talk about pizza for a second? No, I'll tell you. Well, I grew up eating some real good pizza. Shout out to um, Grandstand in um Franklin park because i don't live there no more so i can give them business sure yeah um best pizza ever we used to get it um extra sauce well done oh extra you're sauce. you're a sauce you're a sauce lady extra huh? sauce well done 
And my mom used to, because they would give, like, coupons, and they'd have, like, a free small pizza. And, like, my favorite type of pizza is mushroom and olive. And so my mom would use the free small pizza to get a small mushroom and olive pizza just for me. And, oh, my gosh, there was just nothing like it. Anthony's not privy to the mushroom and olive. He's like, I don't get it. I like mushrooms. I don't like olives. I just think a mushroom and olive pizza is so good. And then we moved out here to where we live currently. Fucking sucks. <laughs> the, the pizza around here is... Atrocious. It's literally... It's a sin against humanity. It's either sweet for some reason. Yeah. Or like bland or like the... The crust is weird. I think I think bland is the best way to put I'm like, it. What, I'm like, what cheese are you I using? can go out to the store and pay $6 for a frozen DiGiorno's pepperoni pizza, and it is 100,000 times better than any of the pizza places around where we live. A scathing review of all of the pizza places. I won't name them. However, I'm just saying they're not good. And I grew up in basically... Uh, a downtown Chicago pizza city, USA. Pizza, literally Pizza City, where I don't even think like some of the bigger pizza places that are like Chicago based are the best. I don't oh, because we have a lose and we town. have a lose Lou Malnati's. But I don't. But, eh. I don't like Lou Malnati's. I don't like deep dish as much as I like. And I don't a good like football pizza. And they're uh, the regular pizza is not good. Yeah. So. I'm not like it's not that I don't like Lou Malnati's or Giordano's um, or Paisano's, but that's not where I'm going. To but go that get my that's pizza. not my favorite. I love, love, love like little mom and pop shop pizza places. Those where the pizza is made with love, like the small business pizza places. Those are normally the best pizzas, and it's normally these hole in the wall places that you would never think. Um, I know in the past I've mentioned in in. Uh, the na- Bridgeport neighborhood of Chicago, there's a place called Freddy's Pizza. And Freddy's to me, and I everybody looks at me like I'm crazy when I say this. I think it has the best pizza. It's my favorite pizza. It's a good good old Freddy's slice, triangle slice. We uh, There's another neighboring place in Bridgeport that's a couple blocks away from Freddy's. It's called Punky's. Punky's has very good pizza too. I Listen to this, Brie. I was complaining the other day because I did a very nice thing for my MUN kids uh, at the end of the school year. We did like a senior send off and celebration with the club. And, uh, you know, I just I just ordered some pizzas from Punky's and ordered some pizzas. And uh, I, I didn't know how many kids were coming. So I only ordered two party sized pizzas, thinking that these little jerks would actually save me some. No. Nope. They devoured everything. And we had planned. I was like, oh, I'm going to have a few slices at school. And then I, you don't have to make anything big for dinner. Nope. I was like, these kids devoured this pizza. So then we got a pizza. Um, and then we got our own pizza. Yeah. We got a DiGiorno. Mm-hmm. And we've just kind of accepted. It's like, is DiGiorno the best pizza we've ever had? No. Of course not. But is it the best, in my opinion, frozen pizza in the supermarket of the frozen pizzas. of the frozen pizzas absolutely yes mm-hmm. and it's even better than some of the fresh pizzas in our own neighborhood yeah no i would agree with that and uh, let me ask you this brie yes do you prefer um you prefer a lot of sauce on the pizza um 
it's different when the sauce is like super good. Like Granson's sauce was just really good. <laughs> and my dad liked the sloppy pizza. I do not like a lot of sauce. My pa- my parents would get a party size pizza and it was just our family. A party size pizza for you, your two sisters, your brother, and your mom and your dad. Yeah, but then like when everyone went off to college, like they still got party size Oh, pizza. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like, me, my mom, my dad, we still got party-sized pizzas. Mm-hmm. We could always have leftovers. And yeah. as a parent, I would probably do the same thing. Do you remember when your dad ate my cupcake? <gasps> that boob. Oh, well, you kind of gave him the okay because you left it. Yeah, I accidentally left it at your parents' house. And foolish of me to think that <laughs> he would not eat the cupcake. You fool. My dad eats everything. It was everything. a very nice gourmet cupcake. And I was very excited to eat it, just never got around to it that day. And then I left to go, go to back wor- home. To go to work. Yeah. Lame. And you're like, oh, I didn't eat my cupcake. I was like, my dad's going to eat it. <laughs> Not even like, can my dad eat it? My dad's going to eat your cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, my dad has done some shit like that before. Like, when we would get Chinese food, um, the leftover, like, chicken fried rice, like, I would look forward to the next day, mm-hmm. like having chicken fried rice for dinner or for lunch. And I learned at a very young age, my dad will eat it if you wait till lunch to eat that chicken fried rice. It's like you're on the clock. No. So I started eating chicken fried rice for breakfast yeah. the next day because I'm like, I won't be able to get it for lunch because my dad will eat it. No, you're on, you're on the clock with that guy. It's like uh, <laughs> he will he will be generous and give you like a, a couple hours. <laughs> a couple hours head start and then everything's fair game. I'm so glad that I I love my parents. I'm so glad that I don't live with them anymore. I was just thinking about that I the other like, day. I was like, oh my gosh, like to fight for food because your dad is going to eat it. And then <laughs> like your parents, my, my, my mom would make stuff for dinner that I don't like and she knew I didn't like because my dad likes it. My dad doesn't like stuff that normal people do like. Like my dad, Go on. he doesn't like Alfredo. What? He doesn't like any cream-based sauce. Wow, really? Like everybody, I've never met a person that doesn't like And then Alfredo. my dad doesn't I guess like, I have. My dad, remember how I made the masa chili bake? Mm-hmm. My dad's not a big fan of masa chili bake. Why? I don't know. Is he like red sauce? No, no, he likes red sauce, but he only likes... Just not mixed with masa chili and ground beef? And not baked in the oven to be deliciously and deliciously delicious. And then he also doesn't like um, red beans and rice delicious um he doesn't like like he doesn't like stroganoff any kind of stroganoffs because that's a cream-based sauce um so like growing up i would like when my parents like left and went out of town this is such a good conversation for this movie i would be like i can make something and one time my parents were out of time made teriyaki chicken and coconut rice inside a pineapple like i hollowed out a pineapple and used the pineapple to make like food hollowed out pineapple put the rice in the coconut rice inside that pineapple pineapple and the the teriyaki chicken and then i made fried um plantain chips like homemade man that was a good good dinner but I was like, my parents would never eat this. Like, never. Mm-hmm. First, coconut, like, 
rice. You barely ate coconut rice when I made it for you. I don't like coconut all that much. But you did eat it. Yeah. Because I was like, it's either this or nothing. Get wrecked. This is such a good conversation for the movie that we watched today. I'm like, um, a f- I love to make. We should limit our conversations only to something in regards to food. I, honest to goodness, love making things. But at the same, you know, like, I guess maybe this is this is something that I think a lot of people with ADHD and like, and like experience where you're like you're really pumped to do something and then like in the middle of it you're like i don't want to do this anymore no i experience that same thing all the time where i'm like man i really want to play this game and then you're in the middle of and it then and then like, i like start playing it and i'm like i actually like don't feel like doing this anymore but i do <laughs> want to do it and i'm like conflicted um i'm just I, like lazy i experience this like every time i go to bake because i really do love baking but then I like get all the ingredients out and I'm like about to start. And I'm like, I actually really changed my mind right now. <laughs> huh. I was like, I actually don't want to do this. I think that's like the biggest thing I was talking to my therapist about. Um, the reason why our house gets so messy. I just go on. It's because I get I, like I put myself up to clean and I start cleaning. And I mean, I'm like, I don't actually really want to do this. <laughs> um, yeah. So like. It's it's the same. I I experienced the same thing with the podcast. Like I'm so pumped to like do. The oh podcast. yeah, you're you're always like wishy washy. And then about I the and then I get and I sit down in the chair and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I actually want to do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're no, you're the opposite. I think you're the opposite with the podcast, where it's like every time I'm like, hey Brie, we got to go record. And you're like, oh, I don't want to record. I'm lazy. And then you get and you sit down and then we start talking and then you're like, oh, that went by super fast. I'm also like. It's almost like you're having fun. My ADHD is just really freaking bad. <laughs> and I think like the because my sister is diagnosed with ADHD, my younger sister, and it makes so much sense. Like I'm not going to go and get diagnosed as an adult. I, I just don't feel like it's necessary. I know what my brain is like. Mm-hmm. I'm very similar to my younger sister. We are almost like. The exact, I think that's why we don't get along very well is because I think we're too similar. Okay. I'm a little bit more generous to people. My sister, my younger sister loves animals and she's like really nice to animals, but she is so mean to human beings <laughs> where I, where I feel like I will bend over backwards for like any person. And I don't know why I've talked to my therapist about that. She thinks I'm a people pleaser. I was like, yeah, what else is new? I was like, I was a middle child. Um, My brother caused a lot of grief for my parents. And then my younger sister caused a lot of grief for my parents. And I have an older sister I share the middle with, but now she's like causing grief for (laughs) my parents. And it was like, I I told Anthony before, and I've told my therapist, it's like, there's stuff going on in my life that I'd like to tell my parents about, but I just don't want them to worry about me because I was the one kid they don't have to worry about. So why would I worry them? Mm -hmm. I was like, I literally am the, the person that we like trust. And I'm just thinking about the fact my mom gave me this letter and I don't remember where I put it. I'll find it. I'm sure it's buried somewhere on our countertop. Because my mom goes on vacation and she has like her, like her, all her passwords and like her will, like in a envelope. It's called the letter. 
and she gives when it to, I die, delete she, my pass, delete my, my browser history. Well, it's like it's like all her bank passwords yeah. and stuff like that. And she gives it to the most responsible child whenever she leaves and goes on vacation. And that used to be my older sister, but it's not anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. My mom did tell me. Um, because my, my grandparents recently passed away and she's been dealing with all of the, um, like paperwork, the finances, you, like you gotta start the lawyers stuff down, and know? stuff. And she was telling, I asked her, I'm like, okay, serious answer. And I won't be offended. Who do you trust to execute the will? Me or my brother? And she's like, your brother. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's fair. Because it's, she's like, it's not that you're not responsible. It's just that you uh wouldn't know what to do and i said yeah that's fair because you know me i'm always like a worry wart about things that i don't know immediately like what it looks like or what the process is for example like when i have to go drive to a new place that i've never seen before like i will google earth it to know what the surrounding location looks like so i'm like prepared and i can identify it I'll see what parking's like, things like that. Like, I prepare for these things. But I always stress out when I don't know the process. Or I don't know my surroundings and things like that. Um, so she she, she cited that to me. And I was like, yeah, okay. That's Makes fair. Sense. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I uh, don't know how I became the most responsible child. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of it just fell into my lap. Um. Can I ask you, going back, closing our taps a little sure. bit, um, going back to food, mm-hmm. because this is, we're, listen, this is the How Scary Is It podcast. We mm-hmm. watched a movie, yeah. and uh, the movie is called The Menu, and it's about a, a horror comedy satire about um, kind of just ripping on these the like, celebrity chefs and the privileged. Um, what's the most, like, gourmet meal that you've ever made or prepared the most gourmet meal i've ever prepared yes um, like restaurant quality meal that when you i prepared. made the risotto and like with the shrimp the seafood risotto no like the mushroom risotto oh okay where i made the shrimp and then i also made a steak yes yes and was, was that when you made the wellington okay that was probably the most gourmet the most gourmet that you've that you've gone even though i bought the wrong pastry dough for the wellington yeah but it was still good yeah that's good i mean meat is meat it's i would say it's very hard to screw up a wellington but when we went to the valentine's day dinner at that one restaurant um, uh, the sauce was disgusting that wasn't the sauce they undercooked the meat it was yeah, like i was eating sauce, a raw thing. and the sauce was gross yeah um so they did screw up a Wellington. <laughs> you cooked a better Wellington than the Thank restaurant you. where we paid $100 for one. <laughs> I can't wait. We're going um, to Vegas again soon. We got to start making our reservations to the restaurants we want to so, go to. So like because we're going to Vegas soon, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can't wait to eat at all the places. There are a couple of places that are like off the strip I'd like to go to. Okay. So I want to relate this back to the movie we watched. So in, in the menu... Uh, Chef Slowick mm-hmm. says, I don't want you to eat. I want you to taste. Do you feel like you're, when you go to Vegas and you go to like 
the Hell's Kitchen or any of these. I'm like, there to fancy taste it. Places. But oh my god, when we went to Hell's Kitchen, we ate because I was there to eat for sure. Because oh yeah. my gosh, we like I I think I was so full. Yeah, that was probably the fullest I've been in a long time. But it was so freaking good, Brie. Those scallops. Oh, oh my god. Oh. Oh. I wasn't a big fan of the corn risotto. No, but I mean the scallops were and then really the welly were yeah. like really, really good. And I think we have to go back there if we can get a reservation. Get a resi, get a resi. <laughs> resi for two. Um Okay, so do you want to get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get in. We're about 20 minutes in. Um, Okay, so the movie that we watched this week is called The Menu. The Menu is a 2022 American uh, horror comedy satire movie starring Ralph Fiennes, Nicholas Holt, Anna Taylor-Joy, John Leguizamo, and others. Um, Gosh, I got to pull up the uh, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. it was directed by Mark Mylod, written by Seth Reese and Will Tracy, um, produced by Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Interesting uh, <laughs> that they would do this movie. Um, the movie was released in the United States on November 18th, 2022. Uh, budget of about $30 million, made about $80 million. Um, so pretty successful, pretty good, um, pretty good reception towards the movie, too. We are going to get into spoilery territory in the movie. So if you uh, have not seen the menu and you do not want to be spoiled, then my recommendation for you would be to pause the podcast, go on HBO Max or your Amazon Prime or your Apple TV account and go watch the movie. It's an, about an hour 45. Which goes, is the only reason I agreed to watch. Goes pretty quick. Um and I think you'll thoroughly enjoy the movie. I, I Unless you're it. some of my students. My students did say, they're like, if you watch the menu, and I was like, no, I haven't watched Don't watch it. It's horrible. I didn't think it was horrible. Yeah, so we're going to get into... Do you sp- think it was too intelligent of a movie for the children? No. Um, is it elevated horror? No. I don't think that this movie is elevated horror. I think it's satire. Yes. Um, it's it's supposed to be like, a not a dark comedy, but... Like, you feel uncomfortable laughing at these things, even though it is kind of played off to be funny in a little bit, um, in, in some ways. Anyway, we are going to um, get into spoilery territory, so if you haven't seen the movie, pause it, go watch it, and then come back at around this point. Bree, we are going to start uh, getting into the spoilers and getting into the minutiae of the movie in three, a two, a one. Hello. Hi, we're back. <laughs> and uh, Hello, we're getting ready. So... Overall, what did you what did you think? I didn't hate it. I mean, like, I wouldn't consider this like ooh scary. No, no. There was a point in here about halfway through the movie where I was like, I don't even know if this qualifies. There was one point though. I did go. What point? When the guy shot himself in the head. Oh, that was like not expected. Mm -hmm. And that's why I kind of like oh. Yeah, I think. the thing that I like the most about this movie, there, and I wouldn't say that it's elevated horror. When you watch, Brie, have you seen Nope? Yes. Okay. We went to oh, see Oh, yeah, we nope went to together. see it together. Oh, it would have been great if you said Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to think we, about but, the fact that I only see movies with 
him. Yeah, and okay. He forgot that we went and saw a movie. Completely forgot together. I think like a Jordan Peele movie would it's be like we elevated also took horror. His boyfriend. We did not go see Nope with Dom. Are we sure? No, we didn't. Maybe we did. I don't remember. Um, I don't feel like we ever go see a movie without Dom. But the uh, like elevated horror, we would think like Jordan Peele, Ari Aster, the dude who did Hereditary, Midsommar, Bo is Afraid. Um, you would go into like those movies and you're like, I think looking for things to be like, okay, what does it all mean? You know, this one... I don't think that we had that feeling. So I wouldn't really qualify this as elevated horror or like thematic horror. I think this is more satire than anything. Like we're ripping on uh, the wealthy. We're ripping on celebrity chefs and like these very like like the gourmet food uh, presentation and things like that. When we I, let me ask you this. Let me talk to yes. you, Brie. We uh, go to Vegas, right? And we're all like, oh, we want to go to this restaurant, this restaurant, this restaurant from this celebrity chef, this celebrity chef, this thing that we've heard is really good. What do you value the most when you go to these restaurants? Do you value presentation? Do you value taste? Like, what do you look for? I value taste. It's got to taste good. Yeah. Yeah, me um, too. I don't care how it looks. I know Gordon Ramsay is like, this plate looks sloppy. And I'm like, is it, does it taste good though? Or this, this plate is monochromatic. Like it only is brown. And I was like, but it t- does it taste good though? You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, I don't care. I was like, everything at Thanksgiving's brown and I'll eat that brown stuff up. <laughs> brown and but beige. Do you, but do you think that's because we're like lower middle class? Anthony, I grew up eating hot dogs beans (laughs) tater tots and cheese in a dish like one dish was just it was hot dogs and beans mixed together tater tots on top and then cheese sprinkled on top and that was something that my family ate like once a week so do you think that this movie is making a point that like that stuff is only important to people who have money and the people who can afford that stuff yeah i feel like it is a when I go to a restaurant, like when I went to Hell's Kitchen, I wasn't like, oh, my God, the plate looks gorgeous. I'm like, oh, my God, the food tastes so good. Yeah, that's what we thought. It wasn't It wasn't about the presentation. I was there for like, I'm like, ooh, this looks cool because it's on the TV show and things like that. I was like, ooh, this welly, delish, delish, right? I wasn't like, mm, the welly like is plated perfectly. I mean, sure. Like it was probably plated very beautifully, but I didn't care. It tastes good. So, ultimately, I do think this movie is just like a scathing commentary on the the wealthy and people who can afford these very luxurious things and their expectations of these things. To a point where Chef Slowick is a character who is so disenchanted by the experience of being like where he wants, a gourmet chef. He once enjoyed to make food for these people, but then he realized there was no pleasing the ultra super rich and famous. It's like one of the, it's that quote from Gene Wilder where he's like I love the show but I hate the business. And when Slowick starts going on his explanation of like why he's doing what he's doing, it's basically that it's like you wanted me to change, you had these expectations of me and like you don't appreciate this stuff the way that i appreciate this and the way that we in the back appreciate this you 
basically all you people are selfish and all you people are looking for this one thing, but that's not what we want to give you. And you've kind of bastardized the food industry. I do think that this movie is also a commentary on like celebrity chefs or like these very influential um, gourmet five-star chefs who try all these different like innovations with the food. I want to skip around a little bit and I want to get to that one scene, which I think is the most important scene of this movie is one of the last scenes where Anna Taylor Joy's character, Margot is, um, kind of confronting uh, Ralph Fiennes' character, Chef Slowick. And earlier in the film, she sees in his like little cabin on the island, she sees this picture of him when he was real young making a cheeseburger. So she challenges him, and she's like, basically all of this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just want a cheeseburger. It's like, all this stuff that you're doing is just theater, Essentially, I want good food. And so she challenges him to kind of find his passion again. And to me, like, and I, and I am skipping around because we're not, we're not there going into like beat by beat what happened in the movie yet. But a lot of this is like, and I told you this when we, when we stopped watching the movie, I don't think that she was trying to like best him at that point. I don't think it was like, I'm going to get a one over on this crazy chef. I think it was, he is under the assumption everyone's dying tonight, including himself. So let's, this, this is a guy who's obviously lost his passion for cooking and he even admitted that to Margot at some point in the movie where he's like, at one point I was, I, I loved feeding people or making food for people. And I lost that along the way. So when she challenges him to just make a cheeseburger, just make a good cheeseburger. And it's like, you can see this tear in his eye of, yeah, like, okay, now I'm, I'm back into what originally sparked my, passion he had, for he had first worked at a burger place yeah yeah what initially sparked my passion for food and pleasing people and feeding people but then just got bastardized into presentation and theater and pleasing the, the people that can afford my food i think that's like one of the most important moments in the movie um i don't know i don't know where i was really going with this but overall brie you like it? Yeah, I thought it was an okay movie. I want to read you some stuff um, from the IMDb page. The burger was the only real actual food, food in the movie. Everything else was just like uh, prop food. The burger was the only thing because uh, Anna Taylor-Joy actually had to like bite into the burger and eat it. And the way she played off that burger and the way that it was made, allegedly on set, the entire rest of the cast and production crew were watching her like eat this burger and were like, all right, we're all ordering burgers. For that's the what whole- did. John Leguizamo ordered burgers for the whole cast and crew. And that's exactly the same like response we had when we saw them making this burger. We're like, we need to have a burger now. This is the, um, that burger looked immaculate when it they were making it. so good. And I'm like, I'm hungry for a hamburger. I want a hamburger. 
So last night we went and got hamburgers. Yeah, we got like really good because we were like, I don't want a McDonald's. I don't want a Wendy's. I don't want any of these fast food chains. Like I just want a burger that's made with love. So we went to a local place that we we know like makes their burgers from scratch and it's really good. Um, and it, it, it lived up to the hype. Oh, I was yeah. I was satisfied thoroughly. And he says, the one thing that Slowick says in this movie that I um, thoroughly and wholeheartedly agree with, American cheese is best on a burger. Because it melts. Because it melts. And I hate when restaurants use cheddar on yes. their burger. I hate it. I hate it so much. Because I like melty cheese on my burger. I don't like when it's just like a block of cheese that's on there. I was talking to one kid um, at school uh, last week at the MUN uh, meeting and we were talking about food and I was like, you ever see, I was like, not these celebrity chefs, they don't always have it right because like I watched, I was like, you ever see Gordon Ramsay make a grilled cheese? And they're like, no, I was like, it looks horrible because he doesn't actually like use cheese that melts. So it just looks like a brick of cheese in between two pieces of bread. I'm like, that's not And a then I said, cheese. you ever see the movie Chef? And they go, no. I was like, Chef, one of my favorite movies. Watching John Favreau make that freaking grilled cheese sandwich is one of the most mouthwatering things in the world because you can see how it's made. You can see how he melts the cheese and it just looks like a good, authentic grilled cheese sandwich. So when the other moderator for Model UN, he's like, are you into all that stuff? All the cooking shows and stuff? I'm like, oh, yeah, we watch, we watch all that stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, me and my wife watch that, too. And uh, we were talking about Chef, and he also appreciates the movie. So I'm glad I'm not the only one that likes Chef. Me either. What? I'm glad you're not the only one. Oh, yeah. I was like, you didn't necessarily like that movie when I you watched it. I thought it was okay. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. I know, you say it all the time. You're like, I want to watch The Chef it's again. Su- it's such a feel-good movie. I'm like, I would not want to watch Chef again, but... um. Chef Slowick calls Richard a donkey as a nod to Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> I'm just reading some IMDb stuff. Um, okay, so IMDb makes this point, and I guess it is actually pretty true. Do you think Margot is... Because at first, when we're introduced to all the cast that's going to be in the movie, it seems like they're all very snobby about like food. They're all very snobby about the experience. Whereas Margot seems like she's the only one who is just like the regular schmegular person experiencing this stuff. Yeah. Well, her date got mad at her because she was smoking a cigarette. But I don't necessarily believe that Margot, um, it, it wasn't that she like didn't understand what all of this was was going for. So like she was, this wasn't the food that she was about. It just wasn't the food that she was about. Because in the beginning of the movie, when they eat the oyster on the... Um, She's like, I like oyster with my oysters. Yes, yeah. She talks about like how she likes oyster. So it's not like she's not knowledgeable about this stuff. And she doesn't understand like gourmet cooking. It's just that I think she understands when... um, The the over-the-top presentation of of this food takes away from the actual, like, passion that goes into 
making the food. Because that oyster dish had no oyster in it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's such a, um, like a scathing commentary on gourmet cooking these days. It's like, all it's the writers basically saying, all of you gourmet chefs who have made your living making this grandiose presentations, over-the-top presentations of food, you're taking away from the actual, like, passion that goes into it, and you're taking away from why we cook. It's not to give over-the-top presentations or explanations on what food means. It's to just feed people and to make people happy. And to make some good tasting fucking food, you know? It's like your job as a chef is to make good food. And make people happy. So um, I do think that it's like Margot is the only one that actually gets why Slawick is doing what he's doing. That he's lost his passion. The rest of them, if we break down character by character who these people are, Slawick explains it. Um. You have the couple that's there all the time. But they couldn't tell you what he's because last time. Because they don't appreciate the food. Um, you have Nicholas Halt's character who is like the most uh, insufferable of all of the characters in this movie. You, mm-hmm. you the entire time were like, I hate this character. I said, he gives me the ick. He gives you the ick. I was like, and then it proved why he was giving the ick the whole time. He was the only character who knew everyone was going to die. Yeah. Um, did they ever explain why Slawick tells him and only him about that plan? Because he really, 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 really wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And so Slawick gave him the chance to like turn him in. Okay. And like not come. And he still came. And he brought a date knowing everyone was going to die. So when they tell him, like, oh, no, no pictures, uh, chef, chef likes the experience to be um, private, uh, like knowing that the food will not always last forever. Uh, what is they, the word that she used? Uh, it's the same thing from the Little Prince, ephemeral. Um, but he still continues to take the pictures. Yes. Even though. He was told not to. Well, not only that he's told not to, but he knows that everyone's going to die. Why on earth are you bothering to break the rules and take the pictures? Right, you're dying. You, you know, you're. It's not going anywhere. You're dying. Um. He's he's the most insufferable character because yeah. he th- it's he's a character who thinks that he knows, but he doesn't know. And those are like the worst people. Confucius would say, as I teach my world history students, um, he who knows that he knows and knows that he knows or something like that um that's the wise man but he who knows not and knows not that he knows not is the fool mm-hmm. so everything that nicholas holt's character says is absolutely ick yeah he's the worst and he he like snaps at Margot. yeah <laughs> calls her a child yeah she like- doesn't because she she he thinks that she doesn't understand what's going on, but she has a very clear understanding of what's going on. She just sees through it. So do you remember like when we were watching when every year we, when we watch Halloween 
and we discuss Halloween. We say, like, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is a good final girl and a good protagonist because it's not that she does anything different from the rest of the the characters in the movie to survive. It's just that she's the only one that notices what's going on. And she's the only one that can pick up on this stuff. Margot is is cut from the same cloth as that, I think, where Margot can see through all of the BS that's going on here. And I think that Slawick and Margot are essentially two sides of the same coin. They are both characters who kind of see through one another. Margot can easily see through why Slawick is doing this, why he's lost his passion, and how he can get his passion back as his last act before he dies. Whereas Slawick can see through, you're not actually Margot. You're somebody else. You're not telling me the, the absolute truth. So what we find out about this character is essentially that she is a, uh, an escort, yeah. Right. And like he, uh, uh, Tyler, Nicholas Holt's character has hired, hired her, her to come with him, knowing that she would die in the process. But we're to assume because um, she, this was a very expensive um, trip that she's more of like a high end escort, like somebody who just like, you know, that there are. Um, there are escorts that are they charge a lot of money and it's not normally like sexual but it's like i just i'm going to hang out with you yeah <laughs> so she's cut from the same cloth essentially as i'm sorry <laughs> she's cut from the same cloth as slawick yes um they're both characters who are doing something that should be very like um people pleasy kind of not not that expensive but they've positioned themselves into situations in which they only cater to high-end customers well there's like she knows one of the guys there with this wife Mm -hmm. and it's because he paid her to watch him you know pleasure himself sure and it's like that's awkward yeah yeah (laughs) um I, I just think that the these are like um, I wouldn't say that they're foil characters to each other. Like the uh, uh, foil character for those who don't know, being that these are two characters that are basically the same but have different ways of achieving the things that they want, um, or similar traits but different ways of getting there. They're not necessarily foil characters, but I think that they're written very well to a point where you can they they can identify with one another and they can see through one another and that's where the conflict comes and that's where the drama comes and that's where we butt heads a lot Mm -hmm. is because Margot is the only character that's noticing and she's the only one that's paying attention to what's going on so I think that that is really really cool um with this movie where I really love and dissect and I've been talking for a while so I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna let you talk for a little while um but where I really love these movies and talking about these things is like I value character over anything else yeah. in movies. So when you have two really good written characters that complement each other and that work well with one another, I think that's indicative of a very good movie and very like like stuff that you can talk about in a movie. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, so with this movie, I feel like when we go through it beat by beat, we when we open up with all the people like waiting at the dock, it's like we don't know our characters yet. We don't like when we first were watching it, I was like I thought the character of Margot was just like another one of the people until like she starts she recognizes that guy and like when we get like oh you're a service worker i can tell you're a service worker and we get into like the main like the courses of the meal Mm -hmm. um because each course like represents something and we get like more and more disturbing as we go through the night yeah yeah um Amouche Bouche is first. Amouche Bouche. Nicholas Halt's character, I think. Um, what do you think about his performance in this movie? Oh man, I hate the hated it. Not his performance. He did a good I job hate, at making you hate him. He, yes, he did a very good job at like being just insufferable. Insufferable. It's interesting because. I think he was like almost the perfect actor to portray that role because we were talking about this like in the car coming home yesterday from going out. Nicholas Holt said that he was like a front runner to play Batman, but I don't think that that um, would have been the right role for him. And I think that like the Riddler would have been like a better role for him because you Nicholas Holt is like he he's good at being like the pretty boy in some cases but he's really good at playing like over the top neurotic and he's really good at playing like um like i'm i'm going crazy and i'm like energetic and i don't know what to do with myself he played a really good what was it the beast or something yeah in x-men yeah but like in rent we didn't see renfield but in the trailers for renfield he plays kind of the same role where it's like i am like nervous all the time and i don't know what to do he has the you look okay what does that mean that i'm like neurotic yeah oh sure okay say that's that's fair i don't know i gotta type um But, like, so you can see this character, like, and I think he plays it off so well because he starts off very normal at the very, like, the first act of this movie. He starts off like, hey, I'm super excited to go to this restaurant with you. Like, I love food and here's why I'm passionate about this stuff. And um, when he talks to Margot about, like, the oysters and the caviar and things, he's, like, wording things. Like, it's splendid. It's, It's scrumptious and... Uh, he's being like very uh, um, eloquent with his wording on like why he likes certain things. But then as the movie goes on and he starts actually eating a lot of like Slawik's food during the, the amush bouche and the first meal and the second meal, he becomes like more and more, um, par- I don't want to say paranoid, but more and more like I am going insane eating this food. And it's not and it's not insane because of the situation that's going on around me, but insane because this is such fucking good food, right? And I'm so happy with where I am right now, and this is my, like, life's dream, and I just really want Chef to like me. To an extent where that comes back to bite him at the end of the movie. Yeah. When he's publicly embarrassed by 
by a chef. And told to go hang himself. The I read the original script for the movie when it was on the blacklist. And uh, the ending of his character arc is a little bit different in the original script. Um, he does not hang himself out of the embarrassment from chef. He uh, uh, it takes up chef's offer on like learning from him and spends the rest of the movie doing dishes and like cleaning up and ignoring Margot. <laughs> that mm-hmm. that's like the in the movie the end until everybody dies at at the very end. Um I thought out of everybody he gave the best performance in the movie because with I think with any other actor you could see that over the top like neuroticism as going too as too far mm-hmm. and like borderline like Tim Robinson. Yeah. yeah overacting. <laughs> like you you're borderline Tim Robinson. I think that the food's good, <laughs> but we're all just trying to figure out who did this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stand in kid. <laughs> it's good, but it's not great. <laughs> so I think in any other actor's hands, it would have been played off as like too much. Mm-hmm. But with somebody like Nicholas Holt, who's a very good actor and can play that very well, um, it ended up coming off as one of the better performances in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after, so the moosh boosh was like this melon thing with like milk Oh, snow. I have I have the list. Do you want me to read? Um, yeah, sure. Because I thought of, we would break the movie up by By courses. the courses. Because that would be the easiest way to talk um, about it. Oh, I, IMDb has a really cool little tidbit that I didn't even notice in the movie when I was reading. I was like, oh, this makes sense. Um, the seven deadly sins are covered by the six tables plus the staff. Greed, uh, which is Soren, Dave, and Bryce, the like tech bros uh-huh. um, who embezzled. Gluttony, Tyler, who's willing to die for food. Lust is Richard, who cheated on his wife. Envy, George, who's a washed up name dropping actor. Um, Pride, Lillian, and Ted, who believe the dinner is just for them. Sloth, Julian's mother, who did nothing to stop her husband's abuse. And then Wrath, Julian and the other chefs who murder everybody. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that like, is- I would never have picked that up uh, as a casual viewer of this movie. Me either. But it's really cool how that can be, like, identified. Um, yeah, and then IMDb says the reveal, and this is a little bit of, uh, of a... Um, uh, long explanation, but I'll make it quick. And this is from IMDb. This is not our analysis. Um, the reveal that Margot is actually a prostitute has an extra layer to it. She's not just a prostitute, but a high-end escort, which is likely why Tyler hired her for a non-sexual activity. Many escorts offer services like simply going on dates or talking, and later it's revealed that the wealthy old man that clearly knows he hired her, essentially confirming that she has a generally wealthy clientele. This makes Margot even more similar to Slawick, as like him, she has become very successful with her career, but no longer enjoys it precisely because of how different wealthier clients are. Um, also adds layers to her final request of Slawick to make her a cheeseburger. The job of a prostitute is not only to indulge the client's fantasies, but to pretend to enthusiastically enjoy them and raise their confidence. All Julian wanted to do was flip one last burger, something that brought him infinitely more joy than eating a cheeseburger would bring to Margot. Her request could be uh, seen as servicing him in a non-sexual way, 
proving that he that she is a giver who understands her clientele um, and her client's desires as and is able to indulge them masterfully. This coupled with her speech about the dinner service being a pretentious affair that no one actually enjoys could have made Julian realize that he had become a taker a long time ago. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. She does eat the rest of her hamburger on that boat, though. No, I think she I really think, likes the hamburger. I think the, the hamburger is good. <laughs> I think the hamburger is really good because it was made from with love and passion, right? Because that's essentially what he wanted to do. And, and Slawick talks about that where he's like, I just like I originally got into this because I wanted to make people happy and I wanted to give people food. And it has it, it's bastardized as the years have gone by. OK, so let's get. Into oh, it. oh, yeah. I was going to bring up the. um. Uh, Chef's Welcome was a raw local oyster and a mignonette, mignonette emulsion with lemon caviar and an oyster leaf. The amuse-bouche, um, compressed and pickled cucumber melon, milk snow, charred lace. Did you know that looked nasty? Because it was fake food. It looked nasty. <laughs> it, I was like... I don't think a lot of the food in this movie actually looked that appealing I, other than the I, cheeseburger. I'm, I'm going to tell you, if I got served that, I'd be like, what the f- is that? But that's how I feel when I go, when I see like um, all these celebrity chefs make this food. I'm like, that shit looks nasty sometimes. uh, And then you notice that the the rich people were like, snow, it's been done. It's, I'm so over it. Yeah. The critic and and her publisher. So. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But they're, they're critical of that stuff. And that, and like, so I, slow approaches Margot and he's upset and with her because she's not supposed to be here and he's like who are you that's kind of like what happens first then we get to the first course so well let's set the stage we're in this private island right we're like which I actually told Brie I'm like if a chef actually did this and had their island or had their restaurant like a private island where all the food was Locally locally sourced on the island like the veggies and the eggs and stuff um, like locally sourced on the island, that would actually be like a really interesting concept for a restaurant, which I think is actually a thing um, because the writer got the idea for the movie from going to a restaurant like that where they went to an island and they couldn't leave the island uh, until the process was done and the meals were finished, which led him to the idea of like, okay, we're just trapped on this island <laughs> and we just have to like go with the flow until this is all done, which could lead to a ni- good idea for a horror movie. Yeah. And if we notice, um, you know how like we have TV shows that have what are known as bottle episodes, like episodes that take place in one setting for the entire episode. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a bottle episode movie. Pretty much takes place in one room, l- one room for a majority of the film. So... To be able to do that and make a compelling and interesting movie, you really have to have the characters driving this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a compliment to to the writers, I think, for making interesting characters that can drive this thing without being overboard and over the top. Yeah. So go on. First course was... Oh, yeah. Let me pull it up. Uh, first course was the island, raw diver scallop, pickled local seaweed, and algae. This looked nasty as well. Um, it did look nasty. They were eating a rock. Well, they're eating off a rock, not eating a rock. But it just looked like <laughs> some plants and like a scallop they didn't even cook. Mm-hmm. 
I was like, and she didn't eat it because she was like, eh. So we start to get to know some of the characters a bit more um, at this point. We have the the food critic um, and her publisher who are at one table. We get an old dude and his wife that Margot knows yeah. um, at another table. We have a washed up actor and John Leguizamo's character at one table. We also have uh, these three like tech bros or like people that work for like a financing company. Yes. They're all there for a reason. Um, the, the lady who is the critic for the magazine, she was personally invited yeah. by the chef. So she, she thinks she's more important than she actually is. All of these people have reasons for being there and all of them, um, all of them have like kind of personally insulted the chef to an extent. And like he has a reason for bringing them there to die later on. Um, Anyway, you can continue. Um, A lot of the movie is conversational. So yes. So then we get like this whole thing with Margot and the chef where he's like, I recognize a service worker when I see one, you have 15 minutes, like, really to no is that that's much much later in the movie (laughs) nope (laughs) because we didn't take notes on this i know there's a but a lot of the middle of the movie we find out like the the, getting to know the characters we get to know the characters like the assistant for the actor she's leaving she's getting a job somewhere else she's like i'm done being like your assistant we have like the the review writer is like very critical. She's ruined several chefs' careers and shut down a lot of restaurants with reviews. Mm-hmm. We have the tech bros who are just insufferable. Yeah. Um, and then the man and his wife, and he is obviously like not a good person. We later find out like he hired Margot and like. It's it's similar to like if I was gonna write like an Agatha Christie story, like a mystery where it's just all like character based. Who are these characters? What do they stand for? And can they be influential to the plot overall? Um, it, it's it's like the writers sat down and said, "How do we make the most insufferable, like horrible group of people that we can, and give them a reason for being here?" So, like, Tyler is a foodie who is, like, obsessed with gourmet cooking to an extent that he's willing to die for it. The um, tech bros work for a... uh, I don't even know if they're tech bros, but they seem like it. And they work for this, like, big financier, um, Doug Varick. And they think that they can get away with whatever they want. So when they ask for substitutions and they ask for things like that, they're told no. And then they kind of like get all antsy because they ask for they're bread. told no. They ask for bread. Oh, this is the second there's, course. The second course is the bread course, but there's no bread. The breadless bread plate, which yeah. was no bread, savory accompaniments. So it's just like sauces. It's just like a bunch. Of, and everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. This is such a funny theatrical plate. And then Margo's sitting there like, what? But, but where's the bread? <laughs> and the, the the guys asked for bread and they're like there is no bread mm-hmm. you will get no bread but Margot is sitting there and again like she sees through this bullshit and she's like this this is all so pretentious 
And this is like, why do what do we pay? We paid to not eat, essentially. <laughs> so like, what's the point of being here? Yeah. So it's like, as the first couple of courses are being played out, we're starting to get to know the characters a little bit more. And we're starting to understand why they're so freaking horrible. And why they're, we keep using the word insufferable. But they are insufferable. So a lot of the movie at this point is very conversational. Um, I'm going to check very quickly and see if there's anything that we missed. Um, No, not yet. We're getting there. The third dish is memory. And Slawick goes on this big monologue about his past, that food is supposed to evoke memories. And he goes in this big, like, spiel about how when he was a kid, his father was abusive. And he has his mother sitting in in the, uh, in, uh, in the table by herself, silent. And, like, she didn't do anything to stop the abuse. To a point where, when he was a kid, he stabbed his father in the leg with scissors. And he said, Taco Tuesday, everybody. <laughs> so, we're having tacos. So, memory ends up being... House smoked uh, chicken thigh, al pastor, tortillas made with heirloom masa, green salsa cubes. And all the tortillas have, like, unflattering, scathing pictures of secrets that everybody else uh, that's dining has. So, like, the finance bros have pictures on the tortillas of them like embezzling money yeah it has like spreadsheets <laughs> yeah of embezzlement um tyler has pictures of him taking pictures of the food <laughs> on it um so it's all very interesting and they end up eating it and tyler's like this is so messed up i can't how did they get this i don't want to make chef angry but then he eats it and he's like but this is so good huh <laughs> and it's supposed to be played off for laughs, you know, yeah. that even though so like Slawick makes a point later on in the movie where he's like, you all could easily get away. You all could easily fight us about this stuff. But you're not. And like, why is that? Because, you know, that you deserve to be here or is it because you um, deserve this? You know that you deserve this. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I keep like you keep going on TikTok in the middle of the. No, I'm not going on TikTok. I keep uh, going to check like a message, and it keeps playing uh, a music. I'm sorry. Anyway, continue. Now, now we're at like it's starting to get weird. Um, it's the moment it starts to get weird. Is it before or after the guy shoots himself? This is the mess. This is the next course. The mess is... Well, now it's like Margot is starting to notice, like, this is getting a little uncomfortable because the chef is, like, giving us this really weird story about his youth and we're, like, eating and, and like, the tortillas look weird and they have, like, personal stuff on them. And people are kind of, like, uncomfortable. Yeah. And then we get to the mess where, like, they're setting something up on the floor and then you get this really uncomfortable thing about the sous chef just, like... He hates working for Slug now. He's lost all passion. And then he just like puts a gun in his mouth and shoots himself. And everyone goes crazy as yeah. one does. And then they like the food critics like, oh, it's just theater. This has to be just theater. Like it's just part of the show. 
and then they serve food like nothing ever happened. The mess, which is um, pressure cooked vegetables, roasted filet, potato confit, beef juice, bone marrow, R.I.P. Jeremy Loudon. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where the old guy wants to leave. He's like, we're, we're going to go. And they cut off his ring finger. Oh, it's like, almost like the finger that uh, has his wedding ring because he's been unfaithful. Yeah. So he ends up having to stay because they wouldn't let him leave. Mm-hmm. And this is where now this is where Margot gets the ultimatum where she's told, are you with us? Are you with them? Yeah, I think it's at, at this point because they have the palate cleanser too, yeah. um, which is tea. Yes. And this is the and moment. And Tyler is again insufferable. What does he say during this? Is time? this bergamot? Oh, yeah. Chef, chef is this bergamot? Um, and uh, so Chef brings, first of all, Chef confronts Margot in the women's bathroom and is basically like, who are you? Why are you here? What's your deal? And she's like, kind, kindly get the F out of the like, way. She's like, I'm Margot, which is not her actual name. Yes. Um, but this is where we start to get the little, um, like Hin said, these two characters are starting to see through one another. And um, Margot is starting to become the only person that isn't satisfied by what's going on right now Mm -hmm. and shouldn't really be there. So he ends up bringing her into his office and they start talking about like his past. They start talking about like chef starts talking through why he's become disillusioned. Yeah. But like he also asks her like, does she enjoy what she does? And she said, I used to. Mm -hmm. So they are two sides of the same coin. They're two sides of the same coin. They both serve the ultra wealthy and they're disenchanted by serving the ultra wealthy. Yeah. And she gets like a timer. He's like, I'm going to give a 15 minute break after the next meal. And you have 15 minutes to decide if you're going to die with us or die with if you're them. going to be a giver or a taker. And uh, she's like, can I just leave? And he's, no, no, you cannot leave. Um, so in that 15 minute break, he opens the floor up to question a question and answer session. To a point where they start asking him, basically, why is he doing this? And he's like, he, he lets them know, like, you're all going to die tonight. Um, that That's just part of the deal. Um, you're all dying tonight. And you all kind of deserve it. He talks to the finance bros and says, you all work for Doug Varick. Doug Varick financed this place, kept me open through COVID, but then started making these weird requests. And I felt like I was like beholden to him. And then we get Doug Varick is outside the, like he had also captured this man, put wings on him, have hit, has him like over the water, like suspended over the water and drowns him in front of everybody. Yeah. And he's like, he started asking if we can do substitutions and Hawthorne doesn't do substitutions, which is also a play on Tyler tried to substitute the his his date with Margot and it like fucked everything up um and they're saying like your present they tell Margot like your presence here is screwing everything up <laughs> yeah because you're not supposed to be here. yeah um they start at like they he goes into the food critic and he's like you shut down so many people's dreams and restaurants you deserve to be here um 
the the one old couple you're glutton you come here every week but you don't know yeah you you don't know what i serve Mm -hmm. uh Uh, he goes into the actor to which i forget what the explanation was there was like very petty explanations like i went to see your movie on a bad day (laughs) (laughs) and uh then he starts he starts talking about how he has just become like disenchanted with this whole business and this whole process he's lost his passion and he's now taking revenge against people who have caused him to lose that passion and the 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 systems in play that cause him to lose that passion. So once the 15 minutes are up, what does Margot decide? I don't think she makes a decision. She doesn't. I was going to say, did I miss something? I or... don't think she made a decision. He decides for her that she's a taker. Yeah. Because she... um, That's like after she gets away. Like... The next meal is called Man's Folly. And he brings up the sous chef. Um, um, who's a female. Who's female. And she talks about how when she first started working here, she was like harassed endlessly by Slovak wanting to go on a date with her. Yeah. And this is her, like the men all get like a 45 second head start and they're going to be hunted down and the women actually get to have the meal. <laughs> um, and that's when we get Margot's real name. Aaron. Aaron. And she's from like. In Massachusetts. Yeah. She's like. Funny how that. I remember that. She's like, not that anyone cares. Yeah. She's like, but this is like my actual name. But then they all start revealing like different things about themselves because they're all kind of in this situation where they're accepting of their fate. Well, like the assistant's been stealing. Yeah. Um. But then John Leguizamo's character is like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I know. And they're all confronted with their own like insecurities. And. I think that's a really interesting that I think that's what kind of makes like horror horror. And they're like, oh, like you don't really have to do this. Like, and she, the sous chef's like, everyone dying was my idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's like, it's my pitch. And, uh, all these characters are confronted with their own, like things that they've done wrong in their lives, their own insecurities. And they all are in a situation where there is no escape they just have to accept it and be honest and real with themselves. And like, isn't that the most horrific thing about this is what do you do in a situation? Like if you were to put yourselves in these people's shoes, what would you do in a situation where you know you're going to die in like a couple hours? There's nothing you can do about it. If people are trying to ask you questions, like why would you lie about Yeah, and so about what's going on? The men get dragged back after and tyler's insufferable and he asks her like all about what she eats Mm -hmm. and like he gets mad at her oh man man's folly was uh crab fermented yogurt whey dried sea lettuce uh yumeboshi and kelp just just so you're he he gets like so mad at her because like he's like i don't understand why you get to eat it he's you won't even be able to taste it with the amount of cigarettes you smoke, blah, blah, blah. He's like such a little fucking dick. I know. He gets worse and worse as the movie goes out. Like I said, he gets crazier and crazier and well, like he didn't even more run. offensive. He was like outside peeking in. Yeah. He didn't run like all the rest of the Because he wants men. to be there. Because he was the like the one who wanted to be there. Um, the last guest caught got a pastured egg, which was egg, creme fraiche, and maple. Creme fraiche. Whatever. Shows you how much I know. Cream freeze. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would be killed 
first um, at <laughs> Chef's place. Then we're all back. Like, we're all forced back into this place. This is when uh, he gets embarrassed. Yes. Chef calls out Tyler. And I think this is after Tyler's, like, outburst, right? And he says, like, Tyler, you knew exactly what was going on. And I swore you to secrecy. You knew that everyone was going to die. And this is where Margo, our character Margo, leaps across the table and, like, slaps the shit out of him. Mm -hmm. So we get a, a scene where he said, Tyler, would you like an opportunity? He's like, you want to do what we do? Just then do it. Like, what do you need? And he pressures him because Tyler is uh, in a all spot talk, right no. now where he is talking about how knowledgeable he is about food and how much he wants Chef's adoration that when Chef is like giving him the opportunity, he's doing it facetiously. And he's like, oh, what are you going to cry? What do you need? You need leeks? You need this? You need this? Why aren't you cooking like it's this? like leeks. Um, it's like you think you can be in our world and that's such a commentary i think on the, the ultra like rich and like they like all this food and they they they're so knowledgeable about the food they eat but they couldn't cook it not just that but just people in general who think that when they know like watch a cooking show or something like they know they think that they can do it because i also have that kind of thought process like when we watch MasterChef or something and I see these people making this food, I was like, oh, that looks easy. Like, why don't we try it? Let's let's try to do it. So, like, you can be all talk and you can think that this is easy. But once you step into that world. It's, like, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets publicly embarrassed. And and, and the, the meal is Tyler's bullshit, undercooked lamb, inedible shallot leek butter sauce, utter lack of cohesion. <laughs> Um, so when, when, uh, Slawick eats it, he's like, this is bad. And then he <laughs> whispers in Tyler's ear and then he goes off and he hangs himself. What the, um, that he said something like you get, are getting, or is this something somebody else says to another character? Oh, um, the maitre d says this to one of the tech pros. She's like, you're getting more than you deserve but less than you desire. Something like that. And it's like, oh. <laughs> and then we get this scene after that where Slovak asks our character, our main character to go fetch a barrel because she said the maitre d' forgot to do it. Mm -hmm. So she sends her off and she goes off and she finds the barrel. But she also goes inside the chef's house. She's not supposed to do. And that's where... She is confronted by the major D who says, you're never, you're not going to replace me because mm -hmm. she's like, he didn't never told me about a barrel and they go with the fight. They have a, a knife fight. The major D ends up be getting killed. So Margot goes into his like private room where she sees the hamburger photo on the wall, sees a bunch of other pictures on the wall and then sees a radio and she calls for help. She goes back. She brings the barrel and then we get the knock and the boat. We get the boat sound and then the knock. She she calls on a transistor radio for help. Um, but then there's a scene where like a uh, coast guard. Coast guard, yeah. He comes in and he's he sees the actor. The like everyone was told to like don't ruin it or this guy's gonna die. Like don't you reveal what's up. 
And the, the actor, instead of giving him an autograph, says, please help us. And so you think this is a real Coast Guard guy. He's like here to save them because he's like holding everybody up at gunpoint. And then the uh, Coast Guard guy leans down and relights a candle. It's a fake gun. It's a lighter. Mm-hmm. And this was planned. And Slawick basically uses this as a, why didn't you try harder moment? Like, you're all sitting here accepting of your fate why didn't you try harder to escape you probably could overpower us all but you're actively choosing not to do it um so then we get like the whole this food is bad oh yeah margo confronts chef at this point and she's like i'm not satisfied with your food she is understand like she can again i keep saying it she can see through him she can she knows what's going to get into this guy's head and it's not a situation that i think is her trying to best chef slawick it's her trying to survive it's her trying to survive and it's her trying to be like using her skill as a my people pleaser a people a prostitute a people pleaser to really make sure that she can survive this and so we already kind of dissected the scene yeah, so i'm yeah. gonna have to just gloss over it she gets to she's like can i take the rest to go mm-hmm. and she gets up and i think but and I, she leaves yes it reminded me of whiplash at the, like the very end of whiplash when it's like these two characters are bringing out the best in one another right where it's they can see through each other they understand each other they're bringing out the best in one another and Slawick letting her leave I think I is like a such... th- thank you for giving me this I just thought that was an awesome way for her to just say can I take the rest to go and he does give it to her to go so it's kind of like our indication that she's okay she's going to leave yeah and I think that was Slavic or uh, Slawick saying you you can leave thank thank you for giving me this last thing before I die here is my present to you you can leave so if she leaves quite hastily Mm-hmm. And then the, we get the last course where s'mores. it's s'mores. They dress the people up as s'mores. With marsh, marshmallow, marshmallow costumes costume. with like a chocolate hat. And then <laughs> the barrel is some sort of lighter fluid, gasoline or something. And the whole place blows up. There's a really um, horror-based piece of iconography and, and imagery in that scene where um, the old woman, like the chocolate's melting into her eyes and stuff. And I thought that was like the most horror out of <laughs> that, that one like little shot of the chocolate, like her struggling and the chocolate melting into her eyes where I was like, okay, this is horror. And now we're in horror. Our main character um, has driven off the island, but then she stops the boat and she kind of just like sits and eats her hamburger as she watches the place mm-hmm. blow up and burn. Yeah. And that's kind of like where we end. It's the end. We don't know what happens to our main character, but it doesn't really matter because she's escaped. Yeah. Yeah. And no, it's safe it. to say everybody died. And that I thought it was a good movie. I did too. I thought it was good. I, I enjoyed it. I don't, it, it's not a very scary movie. It probably scores at like a very low, very low. So we'll start with how good it is it. How good? How good? How good is it? Um, I want you to go first. As a reference, we last gave Evil Dead Rise uh, an eight point two on the good scale. I think this is similarly good, maybe a little less good, maybe like a seven point eight. 
That was pretty good. Are we measuring good on did I enjoy it or did is I, it good? Did I enjoy it? Is it good? It doesn't tell me anything. Yeah. Well, we have different person. You're like, was it shot well? This, all that. And I'm like, did I enjoy it? I think it's a well-made seven seven point eight. I thought it was it was it was good. I think the script carries it a long yeah. way. Um, I'm gonna go eight point three. Okay, similar to Evil Dead Rise, but a little bit better of a made film. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, I'm gonna stick with my seven point eight though. Um, how scary was it? A point one. <laughs> I thought it was, not. but I think it does have some like horror-based I, situations I, I in think there where it's, it's like, what would you do in this situation? What would you if- do in this situation? There was that knife scene where you were kind of like on the edge of your seat. There was like the maybe a point five. Okay, it's like it's. I'm gonna go a bit higher I, than I you though was, because I think situationally this was, is horror-based. I know it's horror-based. I just didn't think it was scary to me. It was a point five. It's good. It's not great, but it's good. How am I supposed to get just, my Halloween we're stuff? We're just trying to find out who did this. <laughs> really? Really? Um, I'm going to go 3.2 on the okay. scary scale. Because I, I do think that situationally, if you were in this situation, yes, be, this would, would be, be horror. It would be scary. Mm-hmm. And I think that's if you put yourself the in issue the with this movie is like I... It is a scary situation. I just don't know how you make people feel scared situationally when they're not in that situation. Because you're... Like we're watching as like an outsider. You're evoking the feeling like like if I was in this situation and I had no escape and I just had to accept this thing, like what would I do? I guess I'll just die then. Right. But would I try to fight for my life or would I be accepting of this? I'd probably try to escape by any means possible. But I'm also a little rabid, um, crazy woman. <laughs> there she goes. She's rabid. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm kidding. Those people were like, um, I mean, I would probably, I would probably, I don't want to say I would start stabbing, but I'd probably start stabbing. So I started blasting. <laughs> The oh. adrenaline would would kick in at a certain point. Self preservation. Love me too much. Yeah. What would you give? What would you give to escape? What would I give mm-hmm. you? <laughs> <laughs> you can have him. I'm gonna leave though. <laughs> would you give a finger? No. What if they said like we'll let you leave, but we want your pinky? No, I like my pinky. You would not give a finger. You'd be like, I would die. I Rather like, die than give up my pinky. I'd be pinky. like, no, I'll give you your pinky. You could cut off your own pinky, not mine. What about like your 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 big toe? Then I wouldn't be able to walk. You can walk without a big toe. Not according to that one show, on, the one skit on Amanda show. <laughs> well, it's the Amanda show. Oh. And now look at Amanda Bynes. I don't know. I don't... Okay. I... I can't do pain. But, okay, so... What I if did they just said, get, like, a huge, like, five-hour tattoo yesterday and say I can't do pain, but... What if they said, you can go, but you have to, like, eat the worst thing that... Like, the thing that you hate the most. Like, you have to eat, like, a... A meatloaf. Like, a meatloaf, yeah. We're gonna uh, cook you a meatloaf, but you have I'd to eat, eat meat- all the meatloaf. I would, I would eat the meatloaf if I lived. I would probably gag the whole time. I don't, I don't, 
Like meatloaf. You have to eat like Rocky Mountain oysters. Balls. <laughs> B- I told testicles. my students that that's a thing. Like we were talking about like cultural foods and like different foods. And in my world history class, and I was like, y'all ever hear of Rocky Mountain oysters? And they're like, no, what are those? And I was like, bull testicles. Ew, ew, people eat those? Like, yeah, they're a delicacy. <laughs> Food is weird. I like just hamburger. Yeah. Hamburger, orange chicken, pizza. That's my whole culinary like profile. Isn't it so strange, though, since we're talking about food, that human beings are, like, the only creatures that actually, like, cook and prepare their food? Um, because dogs get people to do it for them. Yeah, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Our dog is so picky. He's, like, a he's a foodie. He's a foodie. Kaido, are you a foodie? Kaido, bye-bye, Kaido, are you a foodie? He's ignoring us. He hates us. you. <laughs> I'm gonna go run. Once we're done with the podcast, like as soon as we're done recording, I run into the other room and start petting him. And Anthony edits, and like that has always been our like routine. I'm annoying. Yeah, I, I gotta, just, I gotta wait and see if it's gonna rain today because I gotta mow my lawn. Our neighbor, our neighbor did his lawn yesterday, so by comparison, ours looks like shit. And I, now I have to do it. I'm gonna tell you, it looks like it's sunny. Yeah, I, I think it'll be fine. Um, I just really don't want to do it. I hate mowing the lawn. Anyway, um, I don't know. You want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's let wrap it up. So I hope you enjoyed um, the menu. Um, we enjoyed. I well, I enjoyed watching it. I'm sure Anthony also enjoyed watching it. I thought it was all right. It was a it was a good movie. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, there is no Instagram as of right now. Um, keep keep you know looking. Because one day, I'll get it done. Um, if you would like to listen to us, we're everywhere that you can get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, all those guys. Um, if you want to follow Anthony on Twitter. At GLDTV1. Then that's your right. And if you want to follow me on anything, you can't. You will need to take a boat to a private island. And- Have a immersive dining experience where you die at the end. Yes. And then maybe you'll see me. Right. But I'm probably on that boat. I'm already jetting off. She's eating a cheeseburger. I'm eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> as as Brie does. Yeah. Eats, I had, eats the cheeseburgers. I had a great cheeseburger yesterday. It I was still fantastic. It. it was so good. We were inspired. Oh. And we had cheese fries. Mm-hmm. And like my favorite way to eat cheese fries is you dip it in the cheese and then you dip it in ketchup. Okay. And then you put it no, in your No, I'm going to tell everybody no, about. No, no. I'm going to tell everybody no. about this thing that you do. And I just Signing want, off. This is Brie. Bye-bye. I just want to know if this is a you thing or if it's a me thing. When you have like a side of cheese, like a cup of cheese for cheese fries, or we have like a cup of ketchup you gotta or something. You got to scoop it. Do you, Brie scoops it like she's like. Like, it's more ketchup on the fry than there is fry. And I just want to know if that's normal. If I'm the one that's... Because I dip. In my family, that has always been the way. I dip? It's always been the way. You do the same thing with, like, chips and dip? Oh, yeah. Where there's more more dip on the chip than there is chip. Because the the chip is the means... So you're eating dip. The chip is the means of the eating of the dip. See, I'm the opposite. I think that the dip is just a compliment to the chip. I think you're the weird one. I'm the I think one. you're the weird one. Okay. Leave leave <laughs> your messages. You can get a hold. You can write us 
at reviewpodcast1 at gmail.com and tell me if I'm the normal one and he is the abnormal one. <laughs> Please, if you're listening to this, we would really, 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 really want to know who you agree with. Is it me, the right one, or him, the wrong one? Thank you for listening to the How Scary Is It podcast. My name is Anthony. And I'm Bree. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.